<laughs> I like big peaks and I cannot lie. Welcome back to the Admissions Uncovered podcast with me, Ni, and your other hosts, Michael and Dominic. Today's podcast is brought to you by listeners like you on Patreon. Patreon is a platform where you can support your favorite content creators by pledging as little as a dollar per podcast to allow us to bring you the best quality show. In this podcast, we will talk about where you should be in the college admissions process through our own journey. Hopefully, having a real person going through this process will help you. For reference, this podcast was recorded on July 8th. Uh, with these podcasts, we would like to start including a new segment at the beginning of each podcast where we kind of talk about new developments in the college admissions process so that you're able to stay on top of it. So new school admission criteria or different rules that they have with their admissions. Michael, do you want to go ahead and start? Yeah, the first piece of news we have is a little bit less about the college admissions process in general and more personal to us we recently this week hit over 1000 plays 1000 plays which is absolutely amazing absolutely amazing because you know when i first had this idea and i talked to dominic and me about it you know my first hope was like let's see if we can get past you know, three episodes and then if we get past past three episodes it's a success we're going, it's good. I never thought actually it would get this big this quickly. And so I just want to thank all of you guys for listening and all of you guys on Reddit for commenting, especially about class rank. We had a really great discussion on that and all those other things because, you know, without you guys listening, we wouldn't be doing this. And of course, I want to thank Dominic and me too, because, you know, this podcast cannot happen without the three of us recording. It also couldn't happen with a lot of behind the scenes Stuff too, making outlines, working on social media posts, figuring out the business of sponsorships, monetization. So thank you both for um, doing this podcast with me. And uh, and of course, Michael, for all the editing. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. Um, so for 1,000 plays, we have a unique giveaway that we're doing. Um, we're going to have an opportunity for you to receive one hour of test prep, essay help, and admissions admissions counseling with me. Uh, usually I charge $50 an hour for this, but with this giveaway, it'll be free for you if you win it, and we'll record it and have it as a podcast if that's something you want to do, in case you want to be famous on the admissions and uncovered universe. <laughs> so for this giveaway, it's going to be run on Instagram. What we're going to do is when this podcast is uploaded on July 12th, uh, it's going to close one week after it goes up on July 19th of 2018. And you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook where we post news updates and when new episodes drop. But this one is just going to be on Instagram and we hope to use the other platforms in the future. Uh, the way you're going to be able to enter this pot, this um, giveaway is on the Admissions Uncovered Instagram and that's at admissions.uncovered. Um, and you can also find that link on our website. There's going to be a post on there talking about the giveaway and these same rules will be in that uh, description section so you can go ahead read them there and all you need to be doing is follow that page and like the post and then the way you enter the giveaway is for every single separate comment where you tag a person uh, who's a friend or some other kid in your school that counts as an entry so you can enter as many times as you like and the winner is going to be randomly chosen from the comment section on july 19th uh, you can share the hour with your friends if you like so get all of your friends to enter too and to give yourself the best chance. Again, you can enter as many times and the way you enter is a separate comment where you tag people and all you have to be doing is following the page and like the post. And then again, this giveaway is just to give back to you for supporting us because if we didn't have listeners, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this. There just wouldn't be a point. So we really do thank you for listening and we definitely have more giveaways to come in the future once we reach more milestones. Now, moving on to the actual news that we have prepared for you. Michael, do you want to start off again? 
So the first piece of news we have is about Harvard admissions and affirmative actions. Uh, there's been a lot of lawsuits around Harvard's admissions process, and that's unveiled along with um, the, the journalism of organizations like the Washington Post that Harvard has done in the past an internal study on how they rate Asians compared to other groups. And so what this internal study done by Harvard people, like Harvard admissions officers, found is that when admissions officers from Harvard evaluate Asian applicants, uh, they give those Asian applicants lower than average sociability scores. So there's this index that talks about how personable or how social the student is, and admissions officers rank Asians lower than other groups. And you might say, like, oh, well, then this stereotype is true. All Asians must be bookworms and don't have a life. Yeah, like, maybe that's true for some people. Maybe it's true for me, but here, here's here's the sticker, right? The scores from the actual people who interviewed those Asian applicants with a, a personal conversation, those interviewers gave those Asian applicants at average or even sometimes above average sociability scores. So you have admissions officers who have no contact with the Asian applicant, given the Asian applicant lower scores on the ability to, to have a conversation. The interviewers who actually had a conversation with those Asian applicants actually had higher or at average sociability scores. So you take from that what you will. But I think it, it's that study, I think, confirms a fact that a lot of people in the Asian community, a lot of people in general have thought about, which is that there is some bias against Asian people in the college admissions process. What do you guys think? I mean, we've talked about this before, where you kind of talked about these sociability scores. And although this is the same group that has done college lawsuits in the past, where they you know, talk, to talk about a certain race and how they're discriminated against in the application process, I think this one is the best one that they've had as far as like you know actual supporting research uh because when you have your own harvard admissions officers doing this research and finding these things i mean it's got to be happening you know so if they're admitting to their own faults i'm sure that it's uh, actually occurring and i mean it just you know although it, this one only targets uh asian applicants i mean who's to say the next one isn't going to target someone else uh personally i would just like to see race dropped off of the application in general but i know that's probably not going to happen so i don't really know how i feel about this but i can say that if you listeners out there would like to follow along on this we're going to link that washington post article that michael talked about in the show notes below on the emissionsuncovered.com website uh, so that you can follow along and kind of form your own opinion but i think that this one is going to have something happen because of it and could shape the admissions process in the future my my point about the admissions process for asian people um doesn't necessarily say that any consideration of race in this process is bad it's just that we need to be careful about how we use it um there are obviously stereotypes about each group of people one stereotype that is in mainstream american culture about asian people is that like they're the science stemmy bookworms doctors who like love math like that is the stereotype and for many people for me this is not the case so i think it gets at a thing that we've known for a long time that there's a stereotype against asian people and that that is bad but that's not to say any consideration of race is a bad thing. Like, if you understand race to be a social factor in the landscape of American society, if you think that race as um, a signifier can have incredible weight 
if you think that being white in America is generally, on average, on balance, easier than being black in America, if you think that there are police shootings disproportionately against black people, then you do understand that we can't be colorblind about this issue, that there are inequalities based on race. And so the college admissions process should take those into account. It's a question of how they take them into account, you know? Is it this blanket like all Asians are less sociable? No, that's the problem. But should college applications take into the account that, you know, you were African-American and faced higher difficulties than like a rich white kid or a rich Asian kid or, you know, whatever the equivalent is, then I think it's fair to take that into account in a holistic manner. Yeah. And just as everything, you know, we say is our own opinion, uh, we would love to hear from you guys as well in the comment section below on this podcast. Uh, we have a lot of discussions on Reddit, but we also have our own comment section on our website as well, where you can kind of talk about what you think about the podcast and offer suggestions or give your input on these different news things that we talk about. In other news regarding top tier schools, Princeton and Stanford also recently announced that they are getting rid of the essay requirements for the SAT and ACT. And this is similar to other schools such as Harvard, Yale, and Dartmouth, who have already adapted this policy. And it kind of follows in UChicago becoming test optional. So as you can see, a lot of the top tier schools are starting to, I guess, kind of steer away from standardized testing or not putting as much emphasis on it. And um, as in an article posted by the Washington Post, they are saying schools like Princeton and Stanford are also looking at other methods to assess a student's writing skills besides the essay portion in the SAT and ACT. So Dominic, do you want to talk about how Princeton is trying to do this? Uh, yeah, so although they're dropping the SAT and ACT essay requirement, that doesn't mean that you aren't allowed to submit it. So I would say, just before we kind of move on, um, if you have a decent or good essay score, go ahead and submit it. Um, if they don't see an essay score there, they're probably going to think you're hiding something. So unless, you know, you have ones across the board on the essay, uh, which is probably very unlikely, I would say just go ahead and submit your essay. They're just trying to offer the uh, best opportunity possible to all applicants. And because it does add a pretty significant cost to your test, and if you're taking it multiple times, it does add a very significant cost to the testing, uh, they just want to make it more accessible. But what Princeton is doing to combat this is they're going to require starting this application season, which I'm so scared. Um, they're going to require a graded paper that you turned in for school, and they say preferably, um, what is it, English and history, yes. So although, you know, I was looking through my old essays, and I'm kind of freaking out about this because I need to figure out what I'm going to submit for this. Um, and I'm still kind of in shock. I had to make sure this is a real thing when Michael sent it to me at 2.30. <laughs> what was it, like last night? I don't know. I was freaking out. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because I have no clue what I'm going to turn in. I got to be honest, in all of my four, like four years of history, because I did two history classes this year, um, I have not written a single essay, I don't think. No way. For them. I don't think so. No way. Um, like not even AP style essays, like that DBQs, have the, you know, free response, and like DBQs. Right? Oh, I mean, I guess we did a DBQ, but like it was never given back. Really? Like, I don't think I have it. I mean, that, I mean, we did, especially for like you know human year or whatever, we practiced that, and especially in class, it was never like a historical essay. Most of our essays happen in English at our school, and a lot of them were just I don't know, especially this year, Nick and kind of support this but they were just very strange essays and a lot of them were kind of like focused on one thing so i'm not really sure if they would be the best essay to use i i, I would recommend that if you're planning on applying applying to princeton or a new school that does this in the future would 
to go and talk to your teachers that you've written essays for and try to see if they think one of your essays is really good or stood out from the rest of them. And then that's what you can use for it. They do say they prefer English and history. And we'll link the article down below because if you're like me, you're probably in shock <laughs> and you don't want to believe this. But I can tell you it is true. And it is I'm true. crying with you. So if you want to hold hands, we, we can do that and cry <laughs> oh, together. But we got to figure out an essay to turn in. So... Um, I'll let you guys know how this goes, but yeah, this is a thing. Just look out for this. I imagine a lot of schools will do this in the future. Uh, I believe they said the reason behind this was um, so that they can get a good writing sample from you in place of that SAT, but also to see how well your school's grading matches up with um, you know, your transcript. Not that it's going to determine that entirely, but you know, if they're looking on your application and they see a one in English and a terrible grade in English, but you wrote a really good common app essay or something, they're gonna have a couple questions. So they're just gonna wanna see an essay. Uh, Michael, knowing that you narrowly skate by <laughs> one year. How do you feel? I am I am both pleased as well as disappointed. I am pleased because I think I would have been like you a little freaked out because I don't think I have ever kept an essay. Like I throw stuff away because I don't like paper and everything at my school is basically done on paper. So I throw a lot of stuff away. Um, so like one thing, what my first reaction was like, this would have been useful a few years ago, Princeton, when we were actually writing essays. So we would have yeah. known to keep them or, you know, like make write them with the understanding that this is also part of the mm -hmm. college application and not just some throwaway assignment i'm yeah. giving for a teacher who's not going to yeah. read them you know i mean at least you don't have to write in an additional essay you know it's already written i mean that's probably one good that's point true. to it but i feel like if they're going to announce this now it shouldn't be for this next school year you know? yeah it's just too short notice i feel like it should go into effect for like the 2019 2020 emissions year i think that would be I don't want to say fair, but like more just. Yeah, it would because, be. It would be more fair. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been operating under the. Well, yeah. you guys have been operating under under the assumption that graded papers only matter for the grade you've been given in school. Now the foundations of the college application process for Princeton have changed. It's not fair. Yeah. You've moved the goalpost when you know there's like one minute left in the quarter or whatever the you know. <laughs> trying to talk words, Michael. I mean, you know me. <laughs> I love the ball <laughs> also just like school essays and college application essays are two completely different absolutely things i mean you know your school essay it's almost like you will do better on a school essay if you write your standard five paragraph you know essay because a lot of teacher rubrics that they give out to students for essays are based off of you know a certain structure and from what we've seen in the past through college essays Colleges don't like your standard structure. They want to see you be more creative and kind of tell your story. And you're trying to pass off one thing that is just not this other thing. And it's, you know, I guess if you wrote this amazing essay for your creative writing teacher or something, I guess that works. But for the most of us, we're probably kind of freaking out thinking about an essay that we wrote. Yeah, I, think, I was going down my list and I was like, these aren't going to work. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, think about the strangeness of this metric between schools. Like, if you went to a school with the English and history department that was very regimented and very focused on getting you prepared for the AP test, your essays are going to be super duper boring because they're going to be the same five paragraph model. They're not going to be college mm -hmm. essay writing because that's not how you write college essays. If you ask any college professor, if you ask any college student, they're going to say that. And when I start writing college essays, I'm going to say that. And so there's other types of schools and let's be honest, probably the more affluent schools, the boarding schools, the schools 
with teachers who don't just teach AP tests, but used to teach at the college level or a lot have a lot more experience at the collegiate master PhD level, they're going to teach their students to write in the more college essay writing way. So I'm not sure how useful this metric is really to Princeton. And again, I'm not sure how fair of a metric this is either. Especially if you're using like yeah. uh history paper and if it's based for like the AP where they have a rubric where you need to have these specific examples, it needs mm-hmm. to have this and that, then you're going to get a lot of similar papers. And, you know, especially those AP tests, because the way I was taught, and I think a lot of people were taught DBQs for world history, was that they're just like points you have to yeah. get. And here are some sentence frames, and you just stick them all together. It doesn't matter how it sounds. It doesn't matter how it flows. It just matters that you have all the points there. I was literally told by a teacher that if I thought that my first paragraph didn't have a good thesis... I could write the thesis yeah, at the yeah. end of the essay and just do a parenthesis that says thesis. Like, that's not yeah. how you write, but it is when you're doing it for the EP. So I don't know how useful this is at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of a problem that I see in the application, but I also know that it's not going to be, you know, as weighted as heavily as your common app, or I hope not. Right, right. We're just all screwed. Um, but I think it will be kind of something they use to aid them, kind of like AP scores or something, you know, just to kind of judge your academic ability beyond the standardized testing. It's also like college admissions offices get a lot of paper already. And Princeton didn't decrease the amount of supplements they asked for. They have instead added on an additional thing. So then the question becomes, how is this additional graded paper going to be used? There is, I think, a very low probability that if you submit a like five-page essay on the works of Toni Morrison, that the admissions officer is going to read all of it. They don't have yeah. enough time. So I think Dominic's earlier point about this being used to check consistency, like if you have a really great common app but an awful English, you know, AP and in 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 the classroom score, then they're going to look at that. So I think that's going to be how it's used, not ne- necessarily something that matters for every applicant. Yep. And just as a final point, I do want to kind of go off Michael's uh, trail of talking about how they just have so much to read. I mean, especially Princeton, you know, you're, you have your common app essay, you have their supplemental essay, so you already have two full essays. You have their two short answer ones where your activities in your summer. So you're already up to two full essays and two short essays. And then you're adding this other essay that could be anywhere from, you know, like a 10-page research paper um, that I know we, we've written for English to, um, you know, some other essay that you wrote for history class. And I think that if they're evaluating... 30 to 40,000 applicants and they better have a big emissions department or I don't know how they're going to get through these, but it'll be interesting. I think they're going to release a lot more information and we'll make sure to talk about that once it comes out just because this was very recently announced. Yeah. It is interesting. It is interesting that they didn't give any guidelines, like not even a (laughs) word limit or a page limit. So I don't know what's going to happen. People are going to try to submit massive essays. I'm sure people are going to like write a graded paper and just like grade it themselves. Like how does Princeton stop that? Princeton, if you're watching, answer in the comment section down below. Yeah. We still love you, but we are, we have, we have a couple questions. Just, you concerned high school seniors i mean that's their take on it if i was them i'd be mad princeton though (gasps) so that was our segment on the news and what's new about college applications now we just wanted to do a little check-in 
um, asks how Dominic and me are doing on their college applications and where they're at in the process. But first here, I'd like to talk about uh, where I was in the process at this time last year, and I think where a successful applicant should be. Um, so for me, I basically had a solid, kind of solid, common app draft. So I had a solid idea, I had solid buzzwords and buzz lines in there, but I dramatically changed the structure. But the content was still the same, the ideas were still the same. Um, so that's where I'm at. And for the successful applicant, I'd also say to you that the draft you have right now, it might be good, but you should feel free and willing to change that if you have more ideas getting closer to the time of submission. And so another thing I was doing right now was looking into scholarship programs. So by this point, I had applied to several small scholarships. Only a few of them panned out. Uh, one big one I want to note that's coming up deadline-wise is the Cameron Impact Scholarship. That's due the first few weeks that school starts. So if you want to apply to that, it's a really long application. So I definitely advise you to start early and start now. Fly-in programs are also going to start happening. The big month for those are, I think, October for those applying regular decisions. So if you are looking into those... A lot of the deadlines are going to be, you know, at the end of August, at the end of the summer. So Swarthmore's Discover Disco Swat, I think is what they call it, um, has their deadline coming soon. So that's another thing you should be thinking about if flying out to a college for free and getting a nice college tour sounds appealing to you. So basically, you should be getting ready to have a solid draft of your common app by this point. Um, and if you have one or two supplements done, that would be best too. I didn't, but I wish I had done that. So now I just want to ask Dominic and me how they're doing with the college application process. So Ni, how are you doing? Where are you at? So first of all, I, I kind of still have a draft of about, I think it's over like 10 schools that I'm thinking of applying to. But as I've, I've mentioned, I really want to do early decision somewhere. So I'm still deciding between UPenn or Brown for those. So I'm still not sure yet. I got to do more. Wait, you were thinking about applying to UPenn? Yeah. It's a new thing. Really? New update. Oh, yeah. it's news oh. to me too. Okay. Yeah, because I was talking to one of my mom's like professors, and he kind of said like, because he he also works at Brown. He was a professor there, and he's also been to UPenn a lot. And he's like, you might want to consider UPenn. It's a little bigger. Um, it will give you like a little more opportunity if you're um kind of iffy about Brown. So I'm still deciding. Huh. Okay. Cool. But also, um, I've mentioned that I've also wanted to do medical stuff later so I'm also looking into combined medical programs still not sure if I want to do those or still stick early decision to like a top tier school. So Dominic where are you at with your college list? Um, I think my college list is pretty much done. It does contain a lot of top tier schools um, but I think I is kind of diversified with a couple mid-tier schools and also my state school. And I think I kind of know what I want in a school. I'm not too picky, but I would like, you know, a decently large school with a decent campus and some good programs. Uh, and I generally kind of do my own thing uh, wherever I am. So that's not, you know, the college itself isn't going to be too big of a problem. Uh, but I just want to give myself the best chance of getting in places. So that is kind of why I have a semi-large college list. Probably not as big as Michael's, but it could be. <laughs> depending on how uh, this, uh, the rest of the summer pans out. Um, as far as early decision or early action, I think I'll be applying early action somewhere. Um, I'm still deciding on that. And, you know, if this might be news to you, because if you remember from our early decision and early action video, um, I said I was not. But then after the podcast, I kept looking at the numbers that we talked about, and it just shows that there's such a 
better chance at getting in early as opposed to regular that it just makes sense to apply early somewhere and especially for me not knowing where specifically I want to go yet I think early action is a good way to go because I can still apply everywhere else even after I get in there you know knee already has these ideas of brown and UPenn's medical programs but I don't really have like a certain program that I want to go into yet so unless that changes I think I'll just stick with an early action school that's the right and decision. see how that goes that's and then the right just apply the rest so yeah we convinced him guys yeah <laughs> just look at the numbers um yeah the numbers yeah. are really clear i'm a very number oriented person and the numbers <laughs> are pretty pretty clear Stacked in the favor of early you know all right so there's like a joke on this podcast that oh michael applied to 21 schools ha 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 i don't you did what, what was the that's way too what many was bad about 21 schools that is way too many nah, what was wrong i don't, about I don't think schools? it's bad i think that you know this is the only application season you get basically besides you know like medical schools or graduate schools yeah so why not you know if, if there's a school that you think you might want to go to this is your only chance you know so why yeah. not apply if you have and time especially to write all with them. the way college applications are nowadays i think it's you know it's very different from what it used to be now it's you almost have to apply to a bunch of schools and then hope you get into one just because everybody does it you know exactly um that's why people apply to a bunch of ivies it's just because they're so unpredictable and the percentages are so low that if you want to go to an ivy league school you have to apply to almost all just because that's the way the numbers work out so I don't think there's a problem with the number of how many schools you do. Unless you're up in like the 40s, then you have an actual problem. And that might be mostly sleep and uh, too much caffeine intake. But, you know, <laughs> that's a problem you can we all have anyway. Yeah. If you can handle the application uh, time that's needed to make all of them quality, then I think it's fine. Yeah. And the thing I'll say again, and I think I've said this before, is that not every essay is unique i copied and pasted from various supplements to other supplements so many times you know the extracurricular supplement that can be the same for every school that requires it there's always one that's like someone somewhat about why you're interested in your major and you just copy and paste that and make a few changes to reference the school and you're done so i I think people who are like oh you did 21 schools oh my god that's so much work and yes it was a lot of work yes my winter break was pretty crappy but (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't that much work when compared to the potential reward like the only reason not to apply to another school is because of the time trade-off and so it's a valid point if you are going to apply to another school that trades off with your ability to write a really great essay for your dream school you should think very carefully about adding on another school but that wasn't the case for me i had all the time in the world i was willing to put in all the time in the world and so i did and i i i there i don't have regrets about 21 schools you know i might even apply to 25 if common app wasn't limited to 20 yeah like it works for you but i think like some people might apply to a bunch of schools and kind of like do each essay <laughs> half-heartedly you know because they're applying to so many yeah, schools. like obviously yeah obviously be strategic about it but yeah you know you can it worked out for you michael so i made it work yeah <laughs> i made it work all the all the like parents out there are screaming at the application fees. Um, oh yeah, and then you got would, a fee I, waiver too. So yeah, because I went to a Title One school. So maybe if I didn't have the fee waiver, it, actually, definitely, if I didn't have the fee waiver, things would have been different. But I had the fee. That's waiver, what I'm saying. So. We don't get fee waivers. Yeah. Well, that's because you go to a fancy dancing school. <laughs> I mean, we're I Title mean, One right, now. So we are Title One as well. I don't want to put this out there too much because we're not experts in this at all. But I think the way that that works is, Michael, you said that there was a thing where you clicked, like, you know, I need a fee waiver or something when you applied. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure the counselor, like, it, it, it gets referred to the counselor and then yes. they have to accept it. Yes. So if you actually do need the help, I think that that's what it's for. 
Um, so, you know, Michael being at a Title I school, I mean, you got to help with Title I students. So that's why he kind of did that. And I'll make sure to ask my counselor about it or not um, and just do it and we'll see what happens. But um, just make sure to explore all the options out there for your uh, different fee waivers because college applications are expensive. True. And I think they're a little too expensive. True. Right now. Very but true. <laughs> if they're going to try to win, you got to try to win too. So that that's a clip. That's a clip knee. That's a, <laughs> that's a clip. Um, okay. So that's uh, your college lists, which sound pretty solid. Now on to, I think the elephant in the room, which is your common app essays. Oof. Now you've sent me your common app essays. You send each other your common app essays. We kind of skim through them. Nee, what do you think about your essay? So I think you'll probably agree with this, that like there's, parts there but I just don't think I have like the story yet I feel like I'm trying to put too many things in my essay trying I'm trying to do too much and that's kind of harming it rather than so what's the premise of your essay me so I wanted to write about like taekwondo but also incorporate it with my background of like moving around trying to adapt to every place and somehow combine those two things about how taekwondo has helped me adapt to each place made me a stronger and more resilient person so I want to give that message to the admissions officers but I'm still kind of unsure on how to structure it the most effective way I agree with that assessment um, I think the pieces is there the small stories are there. The theme, the idea is there. There are some really great buzz lines in there that I think every college essay and frankly, every essay needs. Thing is, it's just all over the place, right? Yeah. So like the introduction is not amazing, but it is solid. It is passable. But then we get weird. Like we're all over the place. Like this, these paragraph two is about Taekwondo. But it's this weird mix of being introduced to Taekwondo, but then also at the very end talking about how she got the black belt, but not really explaining the process in between. And then the next paragraph is about, you know, connecting that to her own story, but it's not very well integrated. And there are also all these other, other mini stories <laughs> that are one sentence long that are thrown in there that when I read them were completely new things. And so I was like, wait, did I miss something? But it was just like a new introduction of a small story. And so, you know, college essays are anecdotes. They're supposed to be narratives. They're supposed to be stories. But they also need to be well-developed stories. So I think my tip for me and my tip to, to everybody is to really isolate the interesting, the genuine stories and then highlight those instead of just packing them all into one. Be more decisive, decisive about the things you add into your essay. But you know, like... I think this sounds too critical. The stuff is there, Nii. It's just about forming it in to the narrative. Do you think I should focus just like more on one story, I guess, in instead of trying to put too many stories in there? I think that's definitely one way to go to have one central story that everything kind of goes off of. Um, or you can have a series of vignettes, a series of small, you know, three to five sentence long stories. And that's and that's what I did for my common app. And so I think you have that there. So, you know, there's this sentence in here. Nee, can I read the bolded sentence that we talked about earlier? Yeah. So Nee has this really, really great story. Uh, nee has this really, really great sentence. In I looked down at my once little hands that went from always tightly clutched my dad's shirt to barely being able to break a quarter inch board to eventually plowing through all three at once. I, I love that sentence because it 
perfectly captures that type of journey that Ni wants her essay to be. My problem with it, though, is that the dad's shirt tail is a new thing. The breaking the quarter inch board, like I understand its connection to Taekwondo, but it's also also not a story that was introduced before. And so this sentence serves as a conclusion, but instead just poses more questions. And so here's actually how I think one way to structure your essay. The first paragraph being a story about you clutching your dad's shirt tail and you being super scared because you were in a new place. And then the second paragraph, struggling with Taekwondo and how that related with you also, you know, having trouble making friends at school, having trouble fitting in or whatever. And then the final paragraph or the final section being the plowing through all three at once and how you describe yourself current. And so then I think that that sentence acts as a really good conclusion. Mm -hmm but only if each part of that sentence is already introduced above. Yeah, okay. And then also I know a lot of people have said like, your first sentence should be like a great sentence that pulls the reader in and all that. So like how um, we were talking before about how I could use something like with my name and all that and kind of relate it to the whole essay. So what do you think about that? So what's the pun, Ni? <laughs> okay, so you guys have probably probably noticed, but my name is Ni. It's not technically Ni, but like no one can actually pronounce it because I'm Vietnamese. So I was gonna, everyone- How do you actually pronounce it? Ni. We're gonna Ni. learn. Ni? No, it's more of a- like an enye sound in Spanish, you know? Like ye. It there's a difference. Yeah. Ye. Hey ye. No. <laughs> you see you see what I have to deal with? <laughs> so I just say my name is Ni. And then it goes on to the pun where everyone's like, oh my gosh, does that mean you have three knees? <laughs> bada bing, bada bing. It is, it's so bad. I still don't get it. And then there's people like Dominic, Dominic who don't knees. get it. Yeah, but like, I mean, I know that's your name, but like, I, I don't know. What do you mean you don't get the pun? It's like, knee is her name. Knee is also guess, a man. body part. Okay, okay. Anyways, from the pun, I was going to go with <laughs> the whole thing about, so how my name, whenever I tell people my name, I don't even try to pronounce it the right way. I like Americanize it. So, so I was going to go with something as simple as my name having to Americanize it kind of shows how I've had to struggle with adapting to here and then also going back to vietnam being too american to be vietnamese and kind of that struggle but also showing how taekwondo has helped me overcome that and then also the thing i was gonna add in like i have in the end i have my name like proudly displayed on my black belt now because everyone on their black belt like they get their name put on there so something about now how as a black belt i've become more confident and like proudly display or something like that not sure yeah so there i think there's a lesson in that for everybody i think it's a quintessential very generic story that every immigrant goes through the kind of like transitioning from not american to be american but never getting there never fully leaving not american but never fully arriving at american like just this week um there was a report that said that the trump administration was thinking about creating a task force to remove citizen from people who they retroactively retroactively deem not worthy of citizenship and so like you can talk about the politics of that all you want but i think what everybody can agree with is that now american citizenship does not mean you are an american and so i think i think it's clear that this is a conflict that all immigrants or at least a whole bunch of immigrants go through but Ni made that story original and her own by integrating things about in the current version of the essay taekwondo and how the effect of being an immigrant was that she never fit in and that had an impact on her socially etc etc 
And then in then a potential other iteration of the essay, how she had to Americanize her name and how that, you know, caused her to think about the world differently, blah, 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 blah. So, so the lesson there is just that you can turn any generic story into a specific one with you, with your stories, with your experiences, with your words. And so don't be afraid to say, I'm an immigrant and use that as an essay. Just don't make it generic. Include yourself in the generic story and it'll work fine. Cool, cool. We can discuss this more later and you can go to Dominic's essay. <laughs> All right. So on my essay, I definitely know my story. Um, I kind of know what I've been through and I know how to tell the story to people face to face. You know, when somebody asks me who I am, um, I'm generally pretty good at giving that off and giving out the best version of myself like you would want to in a college essay. But I find it very tough to put it into this common app essay. Um, I just feel like I have to tell so much of the story that it just doesn't give off that wow factor that a college essay should. I've read a lot of college essays and seen, you know, knees, for example, in the process and other friends in the process. But I feel like mine just doesn't, you know, live up to the quality that it should for a Ivy League application. And I feel like, and Michael would probably say this too, like the story itself is there, but the essay is not. Um, and I just need to figure out how to kind of extract the story and what I'm actually trying to say and then put that into an essay where I'm able to, you know, give off the best version of myself to where it's up to the standards of an IBD essay. Michael, what do you think? Well, so why don't you tell our viewers what your story is, what you want the premise of your essay to be? Yeah, so I know myself, and this is probably a good lesson for our viewers, I have changed what I thought I was going to write about for this essay so many times. Um, originally, I was going to... Um, I'll link the comment up as a prompt so you can kind of follow along with my whole process here. But I was on uh, essay number one for scouting, and then I was thinking about essay number six for business, and then I was talking to a teacher where we sat down and went over these topics. And then she and I kind of decided to explore topic number one with business. So that's already three different topics. <laughs> and then I got this new idea talking to my friend where I was going to do number three, which kind of talks about a problem. And two and three are very similar. So then I was on three. And then the essay, the draft I wrote kind of went back to two. But then I felt like the story was back to three. So now I'm on three. I've changed it like six times, basically. But right now... And I'm guaranteed it's going to change by the time you hear this. But it's, you know, I, I haven't moved around a lot. I did move out to California for pre-K and then moved back after fourth grade. So although those were kind of critical years, I've been here since fifth grade. So, you know, I ended elementary school here and did all of middle school and I'm going to finish high school here. So it's not like I've, you know, just been thrown down in Texas and, you know, I'm finding my way. I mean, I... You know, it feels like home to me and California feels so distant. But back then, you know, when I had to leave friends and do it all over again, when I came back, scouting was kind of like the one thing that was there. I've talked about this before where, you know, sports teams are cool, but you have to leave the teammates too. Right. But the scouting program is kind of like, it's the program and the movement that carries what it is. And that's why it survived for so long. And that's, that was kind of like the constant, if you will, that I had. So I think I want to talk about that a little bit, but the main point of the essay is, um, I did a lot of stuff in scouting when I was young. Uh, so I got Eagle at 13, which is very unnormal. And then I earned all of the merit badges that are available. And that's, you know, it's kind of a feat um, throughout the history of scouting. But uh, along the way, I, I met a lot of resistance from adults who kind of wanted to keep it their way. And especially in positions of leadership, not even trying to earn awards, but just trying to take the program in the direction that I wanted to help other kids. Uh, I 
I just met a lot of resistance with adults who wanted to do their own thing and thought that if they gave the program to a kid, that it would, you know, take away from what the program is and that it wouldn't run as well. And I'll, although I've met those adults, I've also met adults that have been very supporting and kind of helped out with youth leadership. And that's what's kind of kept me going. But I want to talk about how, you know, the struggle, if you will, of having to fight through that and then the position where I am now. And hopefully in this fall where I'm kind of on top of things and I'm able to shape the program into what I think it should be where it's just movies. So that's kind of what I want to talk about. I think... I think it's actually really funny thinking about, you know, your story again, that these adults are so controlling over an organization called the Boy Scouts. What does that say about those really controlling adults? I'll just leave that there. I'll just leave that there. <laughs> I, I would agree. I mean, it's for good intentions, but it yeah. just kind of, they just go a little far. Some, and it can be hard to try to control adults when you're a kid. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's what you have to do, yeah. but you're also trying to control adults. And some of these adults, man, they like truth like a job. You know, scouting is some of the, it's like their lives. <laughs> and for you to go in there and say, no, you can't do this. It'd be like telling a guy he can't do his job. It's, it's actually kind of a struggle sometimes. Again, like, what does it say that people treat men treat boy scouts yeah. as their life <laughs> again yeah. i mean i don't know i love the program but it does have its fair share of issues uh but that's kind of the story except it just it doesn't i haven't found a way to make it into a good essay you know there's not these like you know that that line you heard from me's essay i don't have something like uh yet yet obviously i'll figure something else so like I I suck at writing. Like, I feel like I really suck at writing. Yeah, me too. But So, like, sometimes I feel like it's a little too straightforward and more like if you were giving mm-hmm. a formal presentation kind of thing. That's very... It's very direct and not enough of the creative, descriptive, describing kind of feel that you get from, like, say, like, writing it in a creative writing class. So I feel like that's what you're lacking. And maybe if you focus on one specific time when you like defied the the adults or something like that and like the whole process of at the beginning how they were doing it this one way and then through your leadership and all that how you're able to change it and now how things have and the impact it's brought back yeah because as it is now it reads as if it's this chronology this like timeline of how you yeah fought back against the adults yeah I, i definitely agree with that and you don't want that i I, my comment is that as a more general rule to everybody that this does not need to be a traditional five paragraph essay or a traditional style essay that you would learn in school because those types of essays are boring and the structure limits the content so my suggestion to you dominic and my suggestion to all our listeners is to be creative with that form a little bit think about the college essay as a narrative we keep saying here's what it means a narrative is your best self you have had parts of, of your life that don't fit your narrative you know you don't need to include them a college isn't gonna say oh dominic you didn't include the time where you were a (laughs) chapter chief why did you do that why was that that not important to you it's fine if it's not important to the story leave it out it's about constructing a narrative and if if a detail is doesn't fit with that narrative or requires too much explaining to be part of that narrative throw it out And so the other thing I'll say, obviously Boy Scouts is a very intricate system with like orders and ranks and patrols and whatever, you know? (laughs) You know, Dominic's tried explaining to me this so many times. I have a brother in Boy Scouts. I still don't know what any of these things mean. So I do not know anything about Boy Scouts. And so I read this essay and I obviously got it. You know, it was that, it was, it was that 
there were men who cared about a child's organization and how that was interesting, to say the least, you know? But there were also all these intricate parts about types of ranks that kind of, like, I didn't need to know what they were, but I read it and was like, what? What's going on here? So my tip to Dominic, my tip to anybody writing about a more, um, an organization or activity that has a lot of details and a lot of bureaucratic hierarchy organization or just a lot of very jargony type things is to see if there are ways to take the jargon out and instead just write about the events. And I don't have the most specific tips on how to do it because it depends on your activity, but I think it's important to realize that admissions officers probably aren't going to be Googling terms. Like, they're not going to be Googling, like, what is a chapter chief? And they're probably not going to be Googling for your science type, like, what is dihydroproxide-like-kide, or whatever the chemical that you were exploring yeah. is, you know? So just think about that. And then kind of on the topic of the Common App, um, I know schools haven't really released these supplements yet, but the the goal that me and I are kind of working towards here, I'm sure she'll agree with this, is that we're trying to just get this Common App out of the way so that we have time to work on these supplements uh, because they are important to the application. And while they're not released yet, you can kind of clear your way so that you do have time to work on the supplements. I think that's the right thing to do. You can never start too early on supplements. Yeah, as soon as they're mm-hmm. released. But the best thing is if try to get your Common App done by the end of the summer, or like it doesn't have to be completely done. You can still make edits here and there. But your, your senior year is going to be so much easier if you have a pretty solid 80% done Common App essay before the first day of school. Absolutely. So it's a long way trying to get there myself, but you know. <laughs> so kind of moving on in our check-in um, testing, because that is a significant process. Um, Michael, we'll go ahead and start with you. Where do you think, as far as standardized testing, a student should be here? People should be finishing up their testing right about now. Mm-hmm. Um People should not be needing to take subject tests, another ACT, another SAT. You should at this point have a baseline score. And any tests, if you are going into your senior year from now forward, needs to be only extra just to improve your score. You should already have a baseline score coming up. And so if you're not there, you really got to start. You really got to finish up because, you know, November 1st deadline, they want a baseline score in. Basically, the last testing date to do that is um, the August for the SAT and I think the October um, ACT date for in-school testing. And so it's, it's if, if you haven't started already, get on that right away. Um, but as far as, you know, my personal testing, I've done the SAT enough times. I don't really like the test. Um, I have a score that I'm satisfied with. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and call it quits there with the SAT. As far as subject tests, I'm waiting for the subject test scores. Um, by the time you're hearing this, I will have already received them because they come out on the 11th. Um, oh, wow. So I will know if I need to retake them. I took math two, chemistry and u.s history for reference and i hope i get some decent scores all the schools besides georgetown that i'm looking at are only going to require two so if i trash one of them then we'll still be okay but um, i think that if i need to retake some i'm going to be in kind of a world of trouble because i don't remember much history or (laughs) chemistry from last year um, so to restudy that would be a pain i would definitely say to take these subject tests more seriously at the time i'm sure i did fine in as a holistic score observation but i think if i would have you know committed a bit more time to studying it it's just that you know at the end of the year i'd already taken the ap and i was like you know what i i know more now 
that I will ever know about the subject. Um, I'm, you know, I need to take it now, and this is what I'm going to know for the test. Right. But you have to know that after you stop studying this for the AP, and after you stop studying this for the subject test, and you go on summer, and you don't even go to class for a couple months, you're not going to remember any of this stuff. So if you have to retake it, that's when you're really going to be hurting. So just take it seriously the first time, and then you're going to be okay. But I'm taking the July ACT, and that's in uh, six <laughs> days, and that'll be the first one, and then I'm taking the one at school in October. Um, but I definitely do like the test a lot better. My I took the test the first time, and that score, when compared to my first score at the SAT, was a lot better. Um, so I think that the ACT is just kind of like my test. It's definitely more reading comprehension than the tricks that the SAT pulls, and I never had a problem with speed on a standardized test. So I think I'll be okay with the ACT. So Dominic, um, you said it was your first test. So when... so. When again did you take your first practice test for the ACT that's coming up this Saturday? My first ACT practice test, for the very first time I plan to take this test, was uh, taken yesterday. So that is an mm. entire week. Mm. Of <laughs> Michael, if, wow. if I get a 30, oh, wow. if I get wow. you a 36, it doesn't matter how wow. much time it takes. Okay. All right. I mean, not the best examples to be setting. If you're listening we to will this, revisit, study. We will revisit this topic after I grind <laughs> this whole week to get a good score on this test. And I will prove to you, Michael, that I didn't need the entire time to study for it now if you're listening to this don't don't do this start early and work with gao admissions at gaoadmissions.com personally i know what i can you know i've always been better under a time crunch, but that's what every procrastinator says <laughs> i am fairly confident in my ability to take this test i am not stressed out about it um, I don't think I need, you know, I don't know what Michael is doing in this call. He's <laughs> dancing around or something. But uh, personally, I think I think we're good. Um, we'll definitely talk about this before because if I do get a good score, I'll definitely be rubbing in space every podcast. Um, we might even release the score report. Oh, God. Dang. It's real confident. <laughs> so, we'll see. You know, stay tuned. I'm not going to say anything. But, uh, I think that's good. Nee, do you want to talk about your test? Yeah, Nee, when did you take your first practice test? Hmm. Ooh. Hmm. I like it when the uh, focus is not. Okay. Right. In my defense, <laughs> it's a lot better. I was going to take it in February, so I actually took a practice test in January. But oh, okay. One week before? Oh my gosh, no. But intensive studying? Wait, you haven't even heard the story, like, Michael. Mm, a week ago? So two weeks before the test. Oh, Alright, so in all fairness, the ACT is not as much about the it's about timing as the SAT is. The ACT is learning the format of the test, in my opinion. I think once you take the time to learn the format of the ACT, get your timing down, uh, which I think I ran into less problems than other people I've talked to have, I think that you've kind of gotten the test. The ACT is very structured in a way that you know, you're know you able to kind of study for it by taking the test, and then you kind of know what's up. I think the SAT requires a lot more prep just because it's tricky and very mean, but the ACT is much more straightforward. Um, I do prefer the test, and I think that I'm going to do well. Um, I don't think that starting a week or two earlier would have made a big difference. Uh, we'll see come Saturday. Yeah, we'll see. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. I think the biggest struggle will be waking up in time for the test. It is very early. What time is it? Especially during the summer. Yeah. It's like 8 a.m. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. The only part that I haven't really looked at is the essay portion. So, Michael, do you have any tips on that? 
Yeah, uh, the essay portion is a persuasive test on the ACT. And so basically what you need to do, key things, is integrate perspectives into your thesis. They're going to give you a prompt, a question basically, or a scenario or a problem. And they give you... And they are going to give you three perspectives on that issue. You should either take a perspective or make your own perspective on the issue and write about that. And you should try to integrate the other perspectives into your overall argument. So you should literally say according to perspective two. You should have two to three active reasons to support your position. And then you should have one paragraph that is a counter argument to a potential rebuttal to your argument, whether that's one of the perspectives, and I think this is a great way to use one of the perspectives and integrate it in your essay, or it is a perspective that is outside of the three given by the ACT. Key things, have a counter-argument, integrate perspectives, and you really should be fine. It's not a big deal. You should think of this as the traditional five-paragraph essay, plus counter-argument. So you sh- is it bad to actually say according to like perspective two or something like straight up like no, that? Or you, it's fine. should you to like to just to make if sure that read- they know like you're integrating a perspective? Yeah, like the people who are reading the ACT essays are not literary critics. They're not PhDs, okay? And they don't have time to think like a PhD even if they were a PhD. They are under an an intense time pressure to get these scores out and so they're just going to be ticking off points on that rubric and so i don't know what's clearer that you're integrating perspectives then according to perspective six and then Uh, if you look on the act website there are sample essays that do that type of structure so i i I wouldn't worry about it if that's the plan so do you use once at least one perspective right i think that was their requirement they don't give a requirement for the exact number i'd recommend at least two okay because in the score six section, it does use the word perspectives with an S. So just in case, might as well just try to integrate too. Okay. It's not a big deal. And then also a lot of the schools are essay optional. So you, you shouldn't put too much stress on it. But if you are, so if, so this episode is going to come out two days before the test. So you can't register for it. But in the future, if you're in the future signing up for an ACT, just sign up for it with the essay. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Just in case a school will require it, you might as well do it. Um, so kind of, our, we, we had an outline of different topics that we wanted to discuss. So I think extracurriculars are an important thing to your college application. I think they carry a lot of weight. So as far as extracurriculars, uh, we want to include them in our check-in. So for me, I think they're going well. I've got some big things coming up in the next month. Um, and I think that's going to kind of determine how well that extracurricular section goes. And then I have a lot of other continued things that I started from a couple of years ago and also things I started this summer. For example, uh, you know, we only started this podcast like a couple months ago. Yeah. So this thing is going to be something that I'll continue into the future. Do you want to talk about your extracurricular stuff first? Yeah. So. So my main focus this summer is actually my internship at um, a hospital through the Dallas Mayors program. So as I've mentioned a lot of times, I want to do something kind of medical. So I think this internship is the perfect opportunity to get exposure. And I can also use it in my essays for the like combined medical programs, especially where they ask you where my interest in medicine came from. So I'm doing a lot of shadowing, also getting work experience. So just making sure that I'm very involved in the, my field of interest, I guess. Um, and then school, because that does come back. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of summer homework. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of rooms. That's an August problem. And other things. It's like all these tears. I mean, all right, so, I'm going on that trip thing that I've kind of talked about before um, in a couple of weeks, so I can get a lot of reading done then. 
but uh, you know, summer homework is a thing that happens. I'm just going to get that done. But as far as school itself, uh, I I made a beautiful schedule this year. <sighs> I think it's my masterpiece. He calls it beautiful. Um, it is a bit more relaxed than this year just because oh, there's just no way to make it as like, you know, I, I couldn't get eight APs again, but I have, I have six APs. So it's not, you know, like terrible. Um, it's definitely like a, a strong schedule, mm. but the classes are kind of what I wanted to take, you know, these past three years. And that's just kind of the way school goes. You know, you have to take these classes. And then once you hit senior year, the doors open up and you can take whatever you want. So I'm taking a couple independent study classes that I wanted to take. And then also I'm going to be a teacher assistant or a lab aide for my chemistry teacher, uh, which I'm very excited for. So that's going to kind of ease up my life, not only in school and kind of reduce stress then, but also give me a bit more time outside of school than the homework from this past year did uh, so I can not only continue my extracurriculars which will be getting more involved like they should as you become a senior but also to work on my application and I think that that is going to make this year a lot better than what other people have decided to do with their year. I connect with the summer homework stuff. I need to read the six first six books of the Iliad for Columbia. Oh my and gosh, no, really? It's not going well. It's not going yeah, well. I like the Odyssey better, honestly. Bro, just skip. There, like chapter two or three, there's one chapter in the Iliad. I hated this chapter we had to do it for sophomore year and the entire chapter is like 20 pages Ugh. of only describing who is on the ships <laughs> i remember it's that. like it's it's 20 pages and there's this whole fleet of ships going somewhere to go off to war and the it's like 20 pages where it gives the name of the ship where the people are from and then it like names all the people so you have all these irrelevant characters <laughs> that never come up again and it's 20 pages literally talking about the people on the ships i mean if there's some hidden meaning feel free to comment it below but i was so upset i read about like 10 pages of this skimmed through the rest i saw that they were just naming people on ships <laughs> and i was like you know what i know <laughs> i'm not doing this um so, yeah, I, I don't think we even had a test. We had to write an essay, but you know, the essay didn't ask me who was on <laughs> ship X, but I don't know. It was... Dominic's rant for the day. I think I think the Odyssey was Yeah, the Odyssey was good. I, I, I like it. Say that. Yeah. I never finished the Iliad. The prince, though. The goat. Dang. I don't think anyone did. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to, yeah. and it sucks. Okay, so but Michael, you're going to be in college, yeah. so, so a different life. It doesn't That's mean a different it sucks life. less. Hey. Michael, you can use Audible to listen to the book. <laughs> They're soothing narrators by using the audibletrial.com slash AUPod link to get a free audiobook. Amazing. You like that, Michael? Amazing. Yep. Just saying, hey, free audiobooks out here. If you have summer homework and you don't want to read it, have somebody listen, have, it, have somebody read it off to you. You can lie down, take a nap, and go walk your dog. <laughs> You could play a game. Go run. I don't know what you're doing with your summer. Go run. Go join Michael's running club. <laughs> He's looking for new members. I mean, you know, why read it when you can listen to it? That's what I'm saying, right? You get a free audiobook with the trial. Um, completely free 30-day trial, free audiobook. But can you beat link in the uh, sponsorship section down below? Oh, my God. We didn't even... <laughs> Guys, we didn't even plan that. We were planning not to have a sponsor this episode because we've been using the same ones over and over again. And then just we, it's meant we to put be. it in. It's meant to be. Sometimes. Oh my god. All right. So as kind of like fine, we just kind of wanted to wrap up how we think we're doing uh, before we finish off this episode. Um, so I'll go ahead and start. I think from what I realized, and Michael and me can attest to this, I had a conversation with a friend who is kind of deep in the application process. But some of the questions he was asking. Oh dear. This guy asked me how many common app essays I would write. You know, I'm gonna. Oh dear. I'm gonna save them and not expose Call him them out. anymore. Call him you know, out like probably that. Probably isn't gonna listen to this. 
He needs to listen but, to this podcast. Yeah, he does. But I've learned that I know a lot more and take it for granted about the application process. Uh, thanks to just all of the work that we put into the podcast for you guys. Um, but I think that as far as, you know, knowledge of the process, I'm doing well. Um, I need the ACT to be good. And also, you know, to fight back a little bit. It's not like this is the first standardized test I'm taking. You know, I took the SAT three times. Um, eventually, my end score was a, it was a good score. And although I'm happy with it, I think I can do better with the ACT than what I would be able to with the SAT. Um, I think a lot of the prep coincides with each other. Um, so if you do end up getting a prep course for one, I think that that transitions over nicely to the other one. Um, that's why I think it's best to take both of them and not to just do one because you can kind of figure out which one you want, but also the prep isn't wasted right and also i think that just as you grow older you get better at these tests um so you know thinking back when i started the sat prep um, i just wasn't as good and now although i've put in some work i think the work is equally matched by just how much better naturally i've gotten at doing this type of testing and you know the reading comprehension it just comes with being older um, and i think that that has helped so although waiting is sometimes frowned upon to start this testing process it is i think it also has its it has its advantages not as far as like you know a week prep in advance but as you know early early junior year as opposed to late junior year. you know you do a lot of work in your junior year and i think that all of that essay writing and reading that you have to do for your classes helps you to prep for these tests without you actually knowing um also again like i said i'm worried about having to retake these subject tests because i would probably change up the subject just because it would need to be something that you know i wouldn't have to have that entire course load for but i think that it's going to be okay because um you know obviously i won't have like three eight hundred but they'll be they'll be good <laughs> um and then i need to work on the other sections of the common app so we've done this before during a podcast where we talked about our uh, what we're going to do for the sections and i kind of have a list of the things there but I need to go ahead and add to it because while the common app essay is kind of like, you know, the big dog and the common app, the other sections are very important too. You know, they kind of fill in the gaps that your essay isn't able to tell about you. Definitely. And you only have 650 words. So you kind of have to focus on one or two things in the common app essay, but the rest of the common application is also important because that's where you can include the awards and it kind of tells the holistic story of you. So, you know, don't worry so much about the, common app that you neglect the other or the common app essay that you neglect the rest of the common application um i know that i have a lot of supplements to do so i need to get that done and then like i've said i've already voiced my problems with the common app essay so need you want to summarize how you are doing in this process i mean you're pretty thorough in yours so i think <laughs> we're in the same boat with the testing situation i'm also taking it this weekend needing to work more on my common app essay i think that's going to be my main focus now after the act and also just continue waiting for the supplements to get released and trying to get as much done as possible over the summer because when school starts it's going to be like schoolwork, um extracurriculars getting home later so just trying to stay ahead absolutely well thank you all so much for listening i hope you got a good sense of where dominic and me are at hopefully connected with some of the We're struggling things, man. with some of the struggles that they are going through lots of struggles i'm going through with the iliad um remember we are having a great giveaway opportunity where you get to be a guest host here on the podcast 
podcast and get advice from me and talk with Dominic and me about your process, um, your ideas, your experiences with this college application process. And in order to enter that, just go to our Instagram page at admissions.uncovered, find the post with the big 1000 in the picture, and then start commenting people you like. And the more specific details are going to be in the description of that picture. Also, please visit our sponsors. You can sponsor us on Patreon at patreon.com slash admissions uncovered. You can also go to our Audible link that we decided to put in at <laughs> literally the very last second at audibletrial.com slash AUPod. Please leave any comments and questions you have in the comment section down below. And again, thank you so much for listening. This is a special episode for all of us because it's the first episode we've done that we are over a thousand views. So thank you for getting us there. And here's to a thousand and ten thousand and a hundred thousand downloads more. Might be a while.